It is so good. Hallelujah. 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 It is so good to see everybody here this morning. You know, this is a wonderful time of the year. And uh, we are just, man, so glad that you're here today. You know, Gwen and I look forward to this uh, day every week. You know, we, we know that as a church family, we just begin to look forward to it. And, and our whole family just says, you know, man, we, we're going to do this tomorrow. And we're, we're busy all through the week. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, this is the highlight of our whole week, just being here with you and uh, being able to, to enter into the Word of God and, and to share the Word of God. Um, this morning, let, let's begin in prayer. I know that uh, uh, Ken Davis is in the hospital today. I want to pray for Brad Harris and Joe Forkwer. And if you have a need in your life, maybe that is going to somehow, some way, if there's any way, that could be a barrier for you receiving this morning something in your life from God uh, through the message. I, I just want to ask you to raise a hand and we're going to pray over that this morning as a church. All right. Anybody else? Let's pray. Father, today we bring these things before you. And Father, we know that you can do anything and everything. And so, Father, today we bring them to you and we leave them at your feet. We cast all our cares upon you because, God, you said you care for us. And by faith, we believe that we're going to see victory in our battles. And Father, that begins today. And Father, we as a church believe, as a church, we gather in together and agree in prayer together. And so be it. In your name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, you know, uh, today when we were at, at, the, uh, at Axiom Coffee and we were doing the uh, Christian Education Hour, and, and we were talking about how communication is so important. You know, uh, the title of our kind of our Christian education is, I said that, you heard this. Or I said this and you heard that. See, I can't even get it right. And, and what, it, what it means is it is so important how we know how one another can hear something that we never said so it's in our communication that's so important that we go the extra mile to be able to really really communicate clearly and that's what i hope today to do uh, we're in a series called start here and the series kind of in a nutshell is everything has a beginning point uh, we know that all of us had a beginning point in our life usually Soon after was diapers. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Starting point. And, and everything has a starting point. And why not faith? Our faith has a starting point. A lot of times as a child, maybe you heard the story of, of Jesus coming and dying on the cross. And, and when they said, would you like to receive Jesus Christ into your life? You said, yes. Which is, is a, an act of faith, which is something that I'm not taking away from this morning. But this series is based on the thought as an adult, if you have never heard the stories, if you never went to church as a child and you go, you know what, just saying the Bible says is really not a starting point for a person to have faith. Um, can, you, can you tell me more? Can you explain uh, how Christianity and putting our faith in Jesus, why we do that? And so through this series, 
I hope that you understand that we're going to kind of get out of our comfort zone. We're going to kind of get out of the churchy mindset. And we're going to, I'm going to explain it kind of in a way that as an adult, you might be able to say, you know what, I never saw it that way. Now this morning, there, there's people here that, you know, that have given their heart to Jesus. That, that's the commitment they've made. And there's some people here that really have never made a commitment. And as a pastor, I don't want to just take it for granted that everybody in here is a believer. But then there's that person that's in the middle that really says, you know, I I really never put my 100% into my faith because I really, really, never, really, really got it. Well, this series is for you. And... We're going to continue through the month of October. And, and I want to encourage you to be here because as, as you begin to see these building blocks and, and build a foundation of maybe a starting point for your faith, maybe for the first time, maybe you've gone to church a hundred years. Hopefully not. I don't know why that's hopefully, but anyway, maybe not. But maybe you've gone to church all your life and and, and you'll begin to see it a different way. And, and I, I just ask for, you know, that you will give me grace for all of you that are kind of rubbing your chinny chin chin and saying, I, I, I don't know about that. Because as we look at the word of God, it is something that we believe in as Christians. But there are people that will go, you know what, I, I just don't know. So we're going to go into it a little bit deeper. And I want to explain some things to you this morning. You know, all of the three major religions of the world, the three major religions are the uh, Christianity, and then Judaism, and then Islam. We have Christians, we have Jews, and then we have Muslims. And the question that everybody wrestles with, no matter what religion it is, is, am I, you know, can someone just tell me if I'm in good standing with God? And we wrestle with that. And we kind of, this morning, I want to just kind of wrestle that subject to the ground. And we'll begin to to look at it a different way because that's the question that all of us have had at one time in our life where we go, you know, I I just want to know, am I in right standing with God? Am I doing the things right? I think that all, if you look at all those three major religions, we all come in an agreement with, you know, about four different things. And the first one is that there was a creator, that we all believe that there is a God. And for the most part, he goes by God. And uh, he created everything. Uh, the second thing that we have in common is that creation started with one man, and his name was Adam. Um, the Muslims, uh, Muhammad, says that the first Muslim was Adam. And we know that in the writings of Moses in Judaism, in the Pentateuch, that, that actually Adam is mentioned. And as Christians, we believe because also that Jesus said in the New Testament that Adam existed. And and for us as Christians, we believe that somebody, Jesus, that could predict his death and resurrection, we just go with whatever he says because he's God. The third thing that we agree on is that man messed up the earth. 
that, that sin entered into the world and really just wrecked everything. And, and all three religions will look at that and go, you, you know what? It, it's just, it, it's a mess. And we know, as we talked about last week, until we come to the understanding that we're not just mistakers, but we're sinners, that there is no resolving the separation between God and man. The fourth thing that these three major religions agree on is the same place that all three separate. It is that God had a choice to come into mankind. And He had a choice because here is the world and it's wrecked. And He had a choice to correct the wreck. And God chose to do that through one man. And all three faith traditions claim the starting point is the man Abraham. If you study all those three, they all come to the point of Abraham and all three will claim him as really their own. But also this is where the split happens. This morning we're going to be talking about a conversation between this man Abraham and God. In this question of how in the world can we know when we're in a right standing with the Creator? How, how can we do that? that? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And when you get to the place of saying, where do I stand with God? You know, you come to all those questions. Does He hear my prayers? Does He even care what I'm praying? This morning, to kind of give an illustration of how God came into our world, to correct the wreck. I want to give you a modern day illustration of John Miller's life. It happened a few years ago and it's one of those calls that you don't want to ever get as a father. See, Gwen and I try to keep our marriage vibrant, vibrant by having a date night. I want all the credit I can get for that, okay? And, and Gwen and I had gone on a date, and, and it was it was great. We were in South Lake. That was about, oh, probably about 35, 40 minutes from our house. And, and we're at a restaurant, and we're eating. And, and uh, she said, pass the hamburger. And, and, and anyway, it, it was a better restaurant than a hamburger, but it, it was a restaurant. We're enjoying each other. And we get a call from my second son, Heath. And he says, quickly, you can hear it in his voice. He's kind of got that almost to the level of shock. He says, Dad, I just got in a wreck. I'm on 718 right by our house. And I've got to go because I'm not for sure that the other driver isn't dead. Click. I looked at Gwen and said, we got to go. We jumped in the truck and headed home and, and we didn't know exactly where he was, but we do know 718 is just a two-lane road and it, if you know where we live out by Newark and, and Haslett, it, it gets so dark. I mean, it is dark, dark. And we're driving down this road and, and we're, we're seeing in the, in the, you know, in the, that's what I'm looking for, distance. 
you guys will just help me through this. I'll, I'll do, we're, we're seeing in the distant tail lights. And, and as we get closer and closer, we see that the tail lights, man, they're, they're backed up for quite a while. We pull over into the kind of in this ditch and, and I say, Gwen, I, I got to go. And so I get out of the truck and I begin to run, not knowing that we're going to be close to a quarter of a mile from the wreck. And I, I, I get to the wreck and, and I see the ambulance and the cop cars and the, you know, the, the, the lights are flashing and everything. And on our way, we had called another son, Mark, and, and he had been delivering pizzas out in Haslett for Domino's. And he goes, Dad, I, I'm about five minutes from there, so I'll, I'll just go right now. And so he had already arrived and I saw Mark. And, and, and as I'm running up, again, it, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense yet what really has happened. And I get up to him and I see Heath and he's standing there next to the car. And, and I want to show you the car. Now that's a pretty bad picture because they zoomed in on it. But the, the, the whole driver's side is collapsed in. And when I see Heath, he doesn't have shoes on. And I said, Heath, what, what happened? Where's your shoes? He says, Dad, they blew off my feet when it was in the wreck. I said, are you kidding me? And you know, my heart is going 100 miles an hour. And, and, and I'm looking at him. And as, as Mark said, that he said, he looked okay. And, and the, the paramedics are there checking him out. And, and as he turned, Mark said, he saw, as I did, all the glass that was embedded like in his head from the from the shattering of the, the window. I, I thought, wow. And he says, Dad, he said, he says, the paramedics came up looking for passengers because they thought they didn't need to look for the driver of the car because he had already died. And I had to convince them, no, no, I was the driver. So Gwen and I, now Heath is there, and or Mark's there, and, and we put him in the truck, and we said, we'll take him to the hospital. And we took him down here to the Harris Hospital that's close to the church, and he kind of livened up, and we kind of began to go through the process of checking him in, and then they put him on, on the gurney. And uh, here, here's a picture of him on the gurney with the glass, and, and he'd, he'd been really just in shock because of all that had happened and they had checked him out, and he, he was okay. But then, then this picture, they needed to check out Mark to see if he was okay. <laughs> That's my boy right there. Can you tell that Heath isn't enjoying it as much as Mark? So anyway, turn that picture or I won't be able to get anybody's attention. <laughs> and, and, you know, here he is, the car, and, and it's totaled, and, and all the mess that has happened, and I, I looked at Heath in the eye on that gurney. And I looked at him and I said, Heath, you moron, how could you wreck the car that I bought you? How in the world? Good luck with the fixing of that. And then Gwen and I went back on a date. 
Why are you laughing? Now, now listen, you're saying there's no way that happened because you don't believe that I'm that bad of a dad. And, and right where you're at, you're thinking, you know, how in the world could anybody believe that God could be that way to us? So, as a loving father, I said, Heath, we're so glad that you're alive. We're, we're so glad that you're here with us. That night, we <laughs> spent a lot of time with Heath. I remember Luke being at school and college and him coming all the way to, to the hospital. And, and we, picked, we picked up Brooke on the way. And as we're there at the hospital as a family, we're just... We're just so amazed. And, and I said, Heath, don't even worry about your car. And I took care of it. Where I took it to the dealership. We got insurance. And eventually he was able to get a car that was even better than that one. But, you know, when, when, when you think about this, and, and sometimes all of us come from different backgrounds, and, and some of us get to the place where this is what we're believing God is like. Now, when I said that I did that craziness, there, there's something about some people that will say, well, you didn't do that, John, because you're a good father. And it's almost like they're saying, you know, I believe that you're more compassionate than God. And, and really in saying that, you're more God-like than God. Can I tell you this? There's something that you don't know about God, if you think that. There, there's something that you've been told that maybe you have now, a view, a paradigm of God that's not true. And so this morning, I'm going to encourage you to, to, it's not so hard sometimes to learn something, but it is hard to change what you have already been taught that's not right. To reframe your thinking. See, in this situation we're talking about, mankind had really wrecked the world. They were in a place that in ancient history, that the injustice was something that you and I can't even imagine. The, the strongest would take from the weakest at will. Uh, you're talking about some of the most horrible things in our society times ten that went on because of sin in the world. The world was wrecked. Can we all agree? Just like everybody, all these religions will say, the world was wrecked. And God had a choice. Think about it. He could, he could wade into the wreck and take care of the situation and offer an, an alternative. Or he could turn around and he could put a out-of-order sign on the world and just walk away and do something else. All three religions choose to believe that God entered into the world. In history, in about 1856 B.C., not A.D., B.C., Abraham comes on the scene. Now, now this guy Abraham is not a perfect man. I mean, there, there's stories that are told of him that, you know, him and his caravan are going through Egypt and, and, and Sarah, his wife, is, is a beautiful woman. And the king of Egypt looks at her and goes, 
I think I want her. So he sends word to the caravan and to Abraham, is that your wife? Now again, our thought of what we have as justice in our world is not what they had. And it doesn't take a very smart man to come up with the conclusion of what that or that ancient time would have consisted of. When the king says, is that your wife? He has to decide, he wants my wife, then he'll take my life. I'm telling you, Abraham wasn't perfect. He, he got to the place, he goes, no, she's more like a sister. And so Pharaoh takes her as a wife and, and it's an amazing story. If you don't read the Bible, I encourage you to read it because it's fascinating how he brings Sarah into his house to make her wife, but before he can sleep with her and have her as a wife, boils start breaking out all over the family, all over the place. And he goes, what in the world? And they, they check around and it's actually Abraham's wife. So he says to Abraham, what are you doing to me? You gave me your, you said it was sister. And the story is that he begins to give him all these possessions so that Abraham and Sarah will just go away. Abraham wasn't a perfect man. But what I'm pointing out today that here is Abraham and God chooses to come into the world through an imperfect man to bring a resolution to what has happened as a wreck with sin. And here's God, and he comes into Abraham's world and he says, hey, if you'll be if, if you'll be my people, I'll be your God. And then he promises Abraham three things. Now, now, today you might not be a believer, but just look at these things and maybe you think of them as just coincidences, but, but they're pretty amazing to me when you really get down to it that God begins to talk to Abraham and he says, Abraham, here, let me make you a promise. The first one is this. I'm going to make you a great nation. Now think about it. He's one man and God's talking to him. I'm going to make you into a great nation. He could have said, yes, Abraham, what is a nation? <laughs> I'm going to make you a great nation. And, and to this day, the Muslims would be saying, that's us. We're the great nation he was talking about. We have a great nation of people. And the, the Jews would say, no, 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 no you guys are wrong. It, it's us. That he's talking about. And the Christians would say. No. He's talking about. God was saying. That he was going to make us. And now we're a great nation. The Christian. It's almost like. When, when Abraham was told that. It's, he realized. It's not going to be overnight. It's going to take a while. It's like having a wreck. Like we did. And calling 911. And them saying. I tell you what. We'll be right there. Once we get the engine back in the ambulance. It's going to take a while. But here's what's amazing is actually that you can say promise or prophecy actually has taken place over 4,000 years. The second promise that he says is I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless you and make your name great. Let's do a survey. Will you play along with me? If you have heard of Abraham before today's message, let me see your hand. It's about probably all of us. But, but I'm going to ask you this question. How about this guy? Put this name up. How many people know Chedilomer? Anybody know him? Chedilomer? Anybody? 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 Bueller? Bueller? Anybody? 
This guy was famous during Abraham's time as one of the Edomites' most famous kings of all time. He's the guy that thinks he's so bad that he's going to go and, and he's going to kidnap Abraham's nephew Lot. He's the guy that is defeated by Abraham. But he is so famous because he's so powerful. But when God comes on the scene 4,000 years ago and he tells Abraham, I'm going to make your name great, that we that speak a whole other language, that live in a whole different part of the world, know Abraham's name. But somebody that was famous, God says, they're not even going to remember you. And Chedilomer. The third promise is this. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples, and, and what it means is the people groups of the earth. And again, the Muslims would say, that's us. We're better because of Abraham. We've got all these countries and all this wealth because of Abraham. The Jews would claim, no, that's us. Even though that we've gone through persecution and trials, because Abraham, we're a blessed nation. Then the Christians would say, that, that's us. Because of Abraham's faith, that's why we're here. That's why you can go to hospitals that have Baptist on them, like a, a Baylor, and you can see different Methodist hospitals. Christians have created hospitals and, and agencies like Red Cross and Salvation Army and all these things that have taken place because of Abraham. We, we're blessed and the people are blessed because of us, the Christians. Now, this morning, you might not be a believer. And you might think, I don't know if I get that. But can you at least admit, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? That God promised those three things and they came about over 4,000 years ago. That, that's all the historical part. But let's look at a personal part on Abraham's life. Here's a guy, and, and you might not have known this today, or up till today, but Abraham did not have any children. And, and in this ancient time, he realized that as he was getting older, that he would have to get all, give all of it to probably a servant in his house, Eleazar. And what he said is, God, I, I, want, I wanted a son. You said you're going to bless me and you're going to create a great nation. But how's that going to happen when, when I don't even have a son? And what he's doing is he's praying in a desperate situation, just like you and I might have prayed in our life for something. And what's so amazing is God hears him and, and this conversation that it's going to take place in a personal time with Abraham is so important to you and me. It's so simple that sometimes it's overlooked. I, I want you to look in Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. Here's what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man, talking about his servant, will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. In other words, don't worry, Abraham, I've got it. Listen, I can be trusted. Then he takes him outside, it said, and look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, the next text 
that has survived over 4,000 years. It's so simple. If you're not careful, you can overlook it. But it is so important for us as a starting point of our faith. Listen to what it says. Abraham, or Abram at this time, believed the Lord, listen, and he credited to him as righteousness. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. The question that you and I wrestle with so much is, am I in right standing with God? How can I be in right standing? See, there's something about you knew as a child But as you grew older into an adult and adult behavior took place and and there's some things that went wrong and you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you're going, am I right with God? I used to think I knew when I could be right with God and somebody said they knew and I thought, can you really know? Pastor, it's driving me crazy. Can I know if I'm in right standing with God? This is where all three of these largest religions separate. Now, now stick with me. They go in separate places. This is before the Ten Commandments when Abram and God are talking. This is 2,600 years before Islam. This is over 2,000 years before Christianity. And the Muslims begin to believe this. Here's how you can be in right standing. That you do everything you can right. And then God, at the end, will regulate the bad that you did with the good after you're dead and determine if you're righteous. The the difference is the Jews, Judaism believes this. What makes you righteous is who you were born to and who was your ancestors. The the Jews believe that just because they were born into being in Abraham's lineage, that they're good. Matter of fact, thousands of years later, Jesus will come on the scene and they'll even say to Jesus, we don't even need you. We're Abraham's children. Now watch this. Christians. It's like 30 minutes after Jesus ascends into heaven, we begin to fight among ourselves. And we begin to say, you know what? You got to do this and you got to, it's a different thing. Before you believe, and when you believe, you got to work and you got to do these rites and you got to jump through these hoops. And in the ancient time, and even in the early church, they said you had to be circumcised to be a Christian. And then they said, well, no, you've got to do these things. You got to believe the law of Moses. And some people said they don't even know the law mode. That's why today there's so many fractions in Christianity. Think about it. So many different denominations. We've gone through times where we all scratch our heads. Like, you know, as we as an early church in the book of Acts got persecuted. And, you know, through Roman history, you know, how we were thrown to the lions and all that. But, but something happened where we, we built it into something so impossible to achieve that when we became the majority, we, we began to persecute the pagans.
we went through the Reformation with Martin Luther and, and we began to see things change. Can I tell you that verse again? Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him for righteousness. Can I just say this? Abraham believed. God says, you know what, Abram? You believed. So I forgive you of all that situation down there with Pharaoh and your wife and all that. That, that thing with Hagar, your, your wife's servant, and all that, I, I forgive you. The Bible says that he credited him as righteous. Can I say this? Trusting God resulted in a right standing with God. You say, well, how can I get in right standing with God? Again, that conversation. How God came into a dark world that was wrecked and said, hey, do you believe me? Abram trusted God and believed God was who he says he was and he could do what he said he could do. God, I believe that you could do the promises that you've given me. I, I believe that you can do what you say you can do. So this morning, as we're here this morning, and, and it could be a starting point for some people's faith. This morning it could be a, a point of relaunching your faith into something that you've never had before as passion for who God is in your life. What is the key? Is it your birth? Who you were born to? Or is it your behavior of how you behave and, and how you walk? Just it, it seems like sometimes people say you're just real close to the whoa, 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 whoa. If you fall over, you're is it your behavior? Or is it believing? Is it your behavior? Is it who you're born to? Or is it what you believe? Let me ask you, what if the starting point for a relationship with God is as simple as just trusting? That God says, can you just trust me? Can you just believe that I am who I say I am? You know what I found out with believers that are already made that commitment? It's hard to get to this point of believing. And I know it is. It's because of what you've been taught. Maybe it's been who you were, your teacher. It might have been someone like me as a pastor. That has passed down that you have to you have to stand on one leg and you gotta hold your mouth just right. You gotta say hallelujah and sanctified and all the big words. It's hard to believe that you can experience unconditional love just because of trust in God. It didn't happen in school, did it? It didn't. It didn't happen in at your workplace, and sometimes it didn't even happen in your past at a church. But let me just challenge you this morning. 
What if the starting point for a relationship with God is trust? Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. This morning, when you go through those, tar, those dark times, when you go, God, are you, are you there? I, I, I want to be in right standing. Can, can you just trust? Can you just believe that God is who He says He is and He can do what He can, says He can do? I'm going to ask our worship team to come up at this time. There's people here that just in the beginning, just as a baby step, maybe you've been in the church a while, but you, you, this is a part of Christianity that you go, you know what? It's hard, Pastor, for me because of what I've gone through, what people have taught. I'm asking you, can you just say, God, I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust you. For my tomorrow. See we all look like geniuses. After the fact that God comes through. And we go God. <laughs> but he doesn't get in glory when we go. I didn't believe you'd ever do it for me. But you did. And now I'm embarrassed. And no. To allow God to be faithful in your life. You've got to trust him. I want to encourage you to just in a minute would you stand with me would you sing this song and then I'm going to come up and I'm going to give a testimony of God's goodness watch this